In the name of the one who is the light of the world. Amen. Samuel and Eli, Paul and the Corinthians, Jesus and Philip, Philip and Nathaniel, Nathaniel and you and me, you and me, and question mark. Each of our scripture readings today is a story of witness. Each is a story that is a testament to an ongoing and meaningful relationship. Each is a story that testifies to the deep truth of the power and faithful presence of God's love. At the heart of each story beats the theme of love extended, love revealed, and love accepted. And perhaps, most importantly, to and for us, love extended again in, and in new and regenerative ways. On January 6th, we entered the liturgical season of Epiphany. As you may know, Epiphany in Koine Greek means a manifestation or appearance that reveals the essential meaning or nature of something. But for an epiphany to be a true epiphany, that manifestation of essential meaning has to be both perceived and believed. That manifestation of meaning has to be accepted and acted upon. Take the story of the boy Samuel and his mentor, the high priest Eli. Three times Samuel thinks it is Eli who is calling him. Thankfully, Eli is kind enough and patient enough not to tell Sam Samuel to stop bothering him, even though he, Eli himself is initially in the dark. It takes three interruptions by Samuel for Eli to perceive and believe that the boy is hearing something, and not just any something, but the voice of God. The word of God is being revealed to and through one to the other, but neither is able to discern that word on his own. The discernment is done in relationship and through relationship, and not just any kind of relationship, but relationship grounded in love. Next, we have St. Paul as the chief missionary of a fledgling group of Jews and pagan Gentiles, known initially not as Christians, but as people of the way. He had his work cut out for him. This was especially true in Corinth, a large and bustling port city of the ancient Near East. Corinth in Paul's time was a community where factionalism and infighting and general profligacy existed. In this letter, Paul calls out some of the people in Corinth who are having difficulty relinquishing allegiance to pagan gods, particularly Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love, and behaviors associated therewith. His main point is that God created us as vehicles of God's holy and life-giving spirit, which is love, and that we are to respect our bodies as vessels through which God's love is extended, revealed, accepted, and re-extended. All of creation and every human being 
past, present, and to come, is connected and worthy of being treated with dignity and respect because we are all made in God's image and are all extensions of God's love. How each of us treats another affects the health and well-being of all. How we show forth, how we reveal this love in our daily lives has consequences far beyond just ourselves and our day-to-day existence. We may think that what we are and what we have to offer is insignificant, but it is not. We are all value-added in and to the body of Christ. Which brings us to Jesus, whom we encounter in his daily life in this passage from John's Gospel. When we read the Gospels, we have to remember that they are not biographies, as much as our linear thinking and logical minds want them to be. They are stories, and not necessarily chronologically arranged. Today's text opens just after an adult Jesus has called his first disciples, Andrew and Simon Peter, with the invitation to come and see. And then, rather abruptly, we are told today that Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Jesus decided. He wasn't driven or led by the Spirit, as we are told by Mark and Matthew about his trips to the wilderness, nor did he have to go, as we are told in Matthew, about his final journey to Jerusalem. Jesus decided to go. The intentionality of this phrase is, I think, important for the revelation of who Jesus is for Jesus and for us. We have the fully human Jesus who has free will, just as we do, and the fully divine Jesus who always uses that will, who always acts, whom we see always choosing or deciding to act in accordance with divine will. Why? Not because he is forced by fear or guilt or shame or subjugation or any other negative motivation, but because of the overwhelmingly compelling force, the sheer power of God's love. This force, this power, is revealed through two simple invitations. The first by Jesus, who says to Philip, follow me. And Philip does. Then Philip, who accepts the love he finds extended and revealed to him by and through Jesus, extends that love to Nathanael with the same invitational words Jesus earlier used to Andrew and Peter. Come and see. Nathanael, whose name means given by God or gift of God, goes and sees, and he too has an epiphany. Nathanael then shares this revelation, proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God. And the next thing we know, in John's next chapter, Jesus is off to a wedding in Cana and about to perform the first of the miracles, the first of the signs that incrementally come to reveal his true identity and mission. Here in South Louisiana, Epiphany is not merely a liturgical season. It is also the season of king cake. 
to us who know and live the story of Epiphany during the weeks leading up to Mardi Gras and Ash Wednesday, a king cake is a very tasty witness to the incarnation of God in Christ Jesus and the subsequent revelation of his divinity to the Gentiles represented by the Magi. The king in the cake is, of course, the baby Jesus or Christ child. But to, people of, uh, but to people in other parts of our country and of the world, and to people of other faiths, this is one strange custom. A plastic baby baked in a cake? And if you get the baby, then you have to provide the next cake? Hmm, really? I worked in New York City for a couple of years, and my sister-in-law, Anne, sent a king cake to my office. Several of my colleagues looked at it with suspicion. But once they heard the story and ate a piece, they were enthralled by this revelation. To them, this was a new teaching that started a chain of cake, a.k.a. community sharing and bonding in the office. At the beginning of the next year, one of my colleagues asked, will Anne be sending us another cake with the baby in it? The answer was, it's en route and we'll be here January 6th in time to celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany. In this tiny, playful way, a bit or a bite of the love of God was shared that manifested a greater and deeper meaning. Love extended, revealed, accepted, and extended again. Every day, like Jesus, we have the opportunity to decide Will we extend and help reveal the love we know we have been given by God? This chain of love begins and ends in God, but we are how God manifests God's love. The acceptance of God's love by others is not up to us, but the invitation, the extension, and the revelation of that love is. In our daily lives, may we each decide to make manifest God's love so that others will want to come and see and follow, to know and accept and extend again the love given to us in and through the baby in the cake, who is both son of man and son of God, and who is the light of the world, the light that will not and cannot go out. We may consume that king cake, but that baby, that king of kings and lords of lords, lives and loves on. Amen, alleluia, and thanks be to God.